Welcome back, everyone, to Grandpa's Tales of Terror. I'm sure most of you are fattened up for the kill. Now that peace on Earth and wishes for a new year are out of the way, we'll continue with the horrible things in life. Same shit, different pile. Let's join Detective McAfee in his relentless pursuit of the Pinata Man. Now close your eyes and let your imagination carry you into a world of fear and horror. <laughs> Great. That is all Detective McAfee needed. The hounding of the press. When questions were asked by the press and various news suppliers, the only answer given was no comment. The department was not denying or acknowledging the story. A day later, McAfee received the footage from the people he contacted at the different courthouses. It was going to be very long days and nights. McAfee finished looking at the first courthouse where Michael and Pamela Livingston were at. Nothing looked out of the ordinary. Next was David and his ex-common-law. Nothing again. When he watched the footage of Sandra Haller and Robert Neal with his eyes somewhat closed, what he saw made him sit up right away. He replayed it several times. McAfee then went to the file of David O'Brien's backed it up and watched. He then went to Pamela and Michael Livingston's court date and saw the same thing. McAfee picked up his phone and called the security offices of the courthouses. When he talked to each supervisor about someone in maintenance or janitorial working, who would he call to find out who that was? All three supervisors told McAfee that would be State Department, who could be reached at the phone number that was given. The next morning, McAfee called the number given to him by the security supervisors. He reached a clerk by the name of Mona, who cheerfully answered his call. When he told her who he was and what he needed, Mona, being somewhat cautious, told McAfee to hold while she talked to her supervisor. When she came back on the line, she asked again where he was from and what was his badge number, rank, and reason for calling. After giving her all the information she asked for, he repeated his request to find out who was working at the three different courthouses on these days at this time. She told McAfee to wait on the line for a few minutes. Holding music started playing again. After a minute, Mona came back on the line and talked to Detective McAfee. She could have the information back to him in a couple of hours. He said thank you and hung up. Another police officer in his station walked up to his desk and told him that a handless man had just been hit in front of Mercy Hospital by an ambulance. McAfee left the station immediately, lights and sirens to the hospital. When he arrived, showing his badge, he was escorted to a private room. Walking in, Dr. Francis was there. Lying on a stretcher was a male, 40s, both hands missing. Walking closer, McAfee saw that the eyes were gone. In their place were just two black holes. Streaks of dried blood had run down his face, most likely mixed with tears when his eyes were removed. It was Robert Neal. 
Dr. Francis told McAfee that even though he was not a pathologist, he could tell that the hands had been cut off with a serrated object, possibly a saw, due to the tearing of the skin. The eyes, however, he was unsure of how they were removed. An autopsy would confirm everything. Watching the footage of the security camera at the front doors of the hospital, McAfee saw the back of a car just within the range of the front security camera. He took a screenshot. A person walked into camera range and pulled someone who looked like Robert out of the back. The person then went out of camera range. Then the vehicle left. After, the camera showed Robert standing at first, then heading towards the hospital. Walking out into traffic that had pulled over for an ambulance, he was hit by the ambulance that was going to the emergency offload of the hospital. Hitting him at approximately 60 miles an hour, Robert flew out of camera range and landed on a parked car on the opposite side of the street. After returning from the hospital, McAfee watched the footage again. Looking in his new email messages, Mona had gotten back to him, sending him the lists of those who worked during the week of the hearings. The entry written for those specific days and times read casual, with a name entered beside it, Arnold Evans. Calling his captain, McAfee told him he had a solid lead on the Pinata Man case, as it was now called. McAfee retrieved the address of Arnold Evans from the driver's license database. He also found out that Arnold worked on a casual basis, only being called in when regular full-time staff were not available due to holidays, family days, and the like, and that he had only been employed for a couple of years. A background check pulled up nothing. Jobs here and there, a couple of parking tickets from previous locations where he used to live, no social media activity of any sort. McAfee was seeing Arnold as a loner, possibly antisocial, very private, keeping to himself. McAfee was sitting a few houses away from Arnold's current address, a two-story rental with a large property. He had sent the picture of what he could get for the vehicle to his mechanic to see if he could recognize the make. His mechanic got back to him and said it definitely was a Pinto, just not too sure of the year. McAfee couldn't believe those were still on the road. His mechanic said they were collector items, but owners changed the gas tank around due to a flaw in the design due to the possibility of an explosion in a collision. Sitting there, he opened up his takeout coffee, added his cream, and took a sip. Hours ticked by, then the scrunch of tires on gravel opened up McAfee's eyes. Pulling into the driveway was a vehicle. Looking with binoculars, McAfee saw exactly what his mechanic described in terms of the vehicle pulling into Arnold's driveway. McAfee saw Arnold exit the car, go to the back of the vehicle, open it, and pull out shopping bags. He closed the back, walked to the front door, and went in. Lights were turned on, and that was it. After a couple of hours, McAfee called it a day. 
The next morning, McAfee followed Arnold to a courthouse where he was working that day, then followed him home. Again, nothing suspicious or alarming. McAfee's captain asked if the surveillance on the Pinata Man suspect has led to anything to further the case, to which McAfee said no. His captain told him that there were other cases that needed his attention, so until something else happened, McAfee had to change his focus. And that's how it was for now. To be continued, make sure you come back. Ha, ha, ha.